Welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer, episode 20. I want to be friends with you. And they said it couldn't be done. Actually, it was my wife. That's not true. She never said that. For this episode, we are joined by somebody whose jawline cuts light well. He's got tight-fitting skin. He's got a voice for radio and a face for TV. Todd Redarmel joins us to talk about what it's like being a pastor. You'll find out how school doesn't really prepare you for the nitty-gritty of being a pastor. We also talk about the toughest decisions we've ever had to make. Jeff, our resident school teacher, is afraid of a half-human, half-lion, half-bat that science is working on. Now, some of you know that I had a hard time getting through high school, but I'm pretty sure that's more than 100% of something. And my daughter, Aubrey, has a question that stumps the pastor. So it's a great conversation, and we had a blast doing it. Please remember, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Bros Bibles Beer. The website is bbbpod.com. And you can send feedback to feedback at Bros Bibles Beer. We'd love to have you involved. And we'd love to hear from you. Please enjoy. This is just marketing to get Scott to come to Mountain View. I have a question. I, Todd might not want me to go I, after no, this. I, I really don't want him to come to Mountain View. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Todd said, I agree with. How are you? What's new, Jeff? Hey. Hey. Yeah. Good Scott, to see you. How was yes. your day? It was great. Testing this microphone. <clears throat> testing it. I'm not seeing. My, well, it yeah, looks like there. it's happening. Todd, what did you yeah. shoot today in golf? Did you hey, keep score? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> sounds like fun. Why did uh, God make Satan if he knew that Satan was going to like reject him and try to be better than him? Ooh, that is such a good question. I don't really have a perfect answer for you, um, but as best I can figure, you know how every movie and every story that's really exciting has a bad guy, and then the good guy always beats the bad guy in the end? I think that's how it works, and I think God needed a bad guy so he could kick his butt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for answering my question. If it's not sufficient, I'm sorry, but it's all you get. <laughs> she stumped the pastor. Didn't have a good answer. I did not. I don't know if anybody has a good answer to that one. See ya. Yeah, that's what Dr. Kraft always says. He says, God answers a lot of questions, but never ones that start with the word why. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's why it's still your question, because God doesn't answer it. The why to everything. <sighs> all right. Since I'm, vaca- I'm on vacation, I just spent all my time preparing um, for hours and hours, so I came Didn't up with four questions. All morning? 
What's that? Didn't you sleep all day, you said? Well, in between the hard thinking, yes. <laughs> so, is this how it works? And then you just edit everything down? All yeah, this well, usually. <laughs> How do you choose what nonsense to leave in and what nonsense (laughs) to take out? It seems so much more polished. I mean, oh wow, he said polished. I mean, hey guys, he said polished. It was like an hour of just pure polished like conversation. Uh, Editing is a pain in the ass. Wow. But Um, usually the beginning is a bunch of riffraff, and then eventually it takes shape. Would you almost say professional? I would almost. As soon as we start talking about something good, I would say it loosely. You know, your looks are awesome, but it's not good podcasting. Okay, so are we gonna intro? Uh, are we gonna intro the the man of the hour, Todd Redarmel, pastor? Well, you just did, Todd Redarmel. Hi, Todd. Hi, how you doing, Jeff? <laughs> so natural. <laughs> Do you have a mic, John? In case uh, we call him Bill all night and just pretend he's a guest visitor, because then you can. Answer things that are not <laughs> as difficult for people. He wants to, to decide. No, I, I can. Uh, I can be me, and then um, I could also. Hi, my name is Mr. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Who was Mr. Bill's buddy? His pal Pokey. No, that was Gumby. That was Gumby's <laughs> pal. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Oh. Bill, I think it was. Uh, I forget who that okay. guy. All right, so I do have, I do have a couple of uh, softball questions to uh, not softball in general, but some softball yeah, questions. I don't know anything about softball. Good, it's good. Um, so first first question for you: uh, blank and blank foster and facilitate God's kingdom on earth. Do we get to answer too? Yes, you do. But after Todd, after Todd, I have to answer first. Blank. And okay. Blank. Okay. I'll I'll let you off the hook a little bit. You know, it's you a clean about podcast. It. Those are bad words. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that, those are the only words that came to mind. <laughs> oh yes, I got your line of thinking there. So blank and blank foster and facilitate God's kingdom on earth. You are up, John Chapman. What? So you're going to start with what? And I'm supposed. To- I'm supposed to fill in blank. What, I thought we were waiting for Todd. What two things foster and facilitate God's kingdom on earth? You wanted me to actually answer that. Powerful John. Um, <laughs> it's got to. Um, I already forgot the sentence. It's got to be something about God's people. And um, <laughs> thank you, John Chapman. <laughs> All right. Love. love. God's people foster love God's people. Love. Wrong answer. I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scooter Holbert, blank and blank, foster and facilitate God's kingdom on earth. The Holy Spirit. Oh. And? I would say... That was three words. That was three words. The? Oh, that was. Could be... Oh, holy and spirit might work. The holy and spirit. And... Holy Spirit and prayer. Holy Spirit and prayer foster and facilitate God's kingdom on earth. That's a, that's a good answer. We'll get back to you. Zach Crater, blank this is blank. Cool. So I get to go last and give the right answer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Plenty of time to think. Yes. Blank and blank foster and facilitate God's kingdom on earth. Zach Crater. Wrath and judgment. 
Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Scott, Scott loves no, that that's one. why people are in the kingdom of God. But go ahead. <laughs> All right. We're already the punching you in the throat time. <laughs> um, bonus points for you, Zach. Great. And Todd, blank and blank, foster and facilitate God's kingdom on earth. Trump and Clinton. <laughs> Trump and Clinton. You guys Foster couldn't see, but he just dropped the mic on the couch. God's kingdom out. Todd, where are you going? <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I know. Really, if, if I were to say anything, I think the uh, I think Scooter's answer was pretty good, uh, um, except the first part. The Holy Spirit was good. And then I think the church, like the Holy Spirit... And the church is what you got to do God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, probably through words and deeds. So we could go that route, too, if we wanted to use ideas rather than entities or personalities. Excellent. What's the right answer? Um, you'll uh, get it after the test. Uh, next question. The most... Okay. Okay, this is for all of you. It was specifically for Todd, but the most challenging, difficult decision I ever made in life was getting a vasectomy reversal. Oh, nice. Wow. 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 <clears throat> that was really... Or getting a vasectomy a second time. No, I've had a vasectomy, yeah, two times, and I... I've had a vasectomy reversal one time. Yep. How about just the whole package, you know, pun intended? My package is scarred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's... <laughs> Amazing. I did not see that coming. <laughs> was the reversal successful? It was. I actually have a son named Luke, and he is oh. the result of that reversal. Three months later, bam, there's Luke. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That is> miraculous. <laughs> Wait, three months? Three, three months? Let's well, three months later, bam, we created Luke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> did, was there... Uh, did, did you have to... Uh, it's pretty too too detailed. Too detailed. We had to wait. We had to wait. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, this is uncensored, Scott. You're allowed to ask those questions. Okay, no. Okay. All right. No, there's questions that he's gonna get mad. I'm pointing at Jeff. Now you're that d dog with the bone, and you keep going after it, right? Yes. I want to go so deeper. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't let the question go. Ask about the implications. Did the doctor say, Mr. Todd, you cannot stimulate? anything because nothing can go through the tube yet it might rip he did he gave me a a, a curfew or a time limit or whatever it was <laughs> that i had to like an erection restrained yeah and uh and then when it was the go time it was go time it was, and it was good i think they call it kinetic energy yeah wow builds up and okay anyway Continuing, anybody? The most challenging, difficult decision I ever made in life was? What about for you, Mr. Jeff? I'm just answering, asking. I'm asking the questions. Oh, you've got some good ones in your pet. you got some skeletons in your closet. We'll talk about the bones later. Are you gnawing on those, Scott? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know. I'm, I, uh, there's plenty. That I can't remember right now. That's great. That's good podcasting. Yeah, Thanks, good, Zach. It's good pod. Yeah. It was the summer of 2004. <laughs> and uh, sitting in my room playing video games, as I did. And um, You got an Obama cadence right now. Yes. And uh, I was sitting in the rooms. And uh, 
Yeah, that was the day. <laughs> All right. John? Got a phone call. Uh, from a man <laughs> Where from, did you make the decision? He's still going. Man, phone call from a man from Texas. And uh, he said, Holbert, when are you going to join the Army? And I was like, I don't know, man. I guess I should. And then I did. So that was that was it was a tough choice though. I think that that would be the one. Wow. All that, yeah, all that to say that, yeah. Sorry. So it okay. still counts, Scott. <clears throat> so fighting. So you were fighting for your country. No, I was fighting my belly because I was <laughs> overweight and I had to lose weight to join. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> well, then that doesn't work as well. It's a tough decision not to eat food. It, no, so that's you, a very you had a tough perfect thing. out. You could have been fat and not. No, I was fat. Yeah. I know, but not gotten. What do you mean you know? I got pictures. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, you do. But you could have, you could have avoided joining. Yeah. Do you regret joining? The first day I did, um, but not after that. It was, it was all right. Okay. But yeah, the first day I knew I was done. It's like this isn't for me. They call it zero day. So technically, zero before the first day, I knew I was done. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The Texan accent of the recruiter added a lot to that. Thank you. Uh-huh. Or was it Elvis? Yeah. <laughs> Very much. Freedom. Anybody else want to chime in on that? No. Next. All right. Todd, do you think Jesus will return before humans destroy themselves? I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I hope so. My, my optimistic eschatology would be that he, things are going to get better and we're going to see God's kingdom coming through, as Scott said, the Holy Spirit in the church up until the day Jesus comes back. And hopefully we can get a lot done, but I think he's going to have to come back and finish the job. Yeah, um, I was just actually thinking about kingdom come stuff. And growing up, I always thought like new heaven and new earth, there's going to be this moment where it's like it happens. And now it seems like it's, I mean, it could just as easily be, I mean, how does God get things done? It's, you know, the creation of the world in my, in my opinion, like all, all that creation has taken a long time. And is it possible that the kingdom coming is just this long process? Might be a long evolutionary process. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Ooh, yes. Wait, six days is a long time? Yeah. <laughs> Depends where you are for We're those six t- days. <laughs> We're teeing Scott up for these. When, you, when you're on vacation in Maui, it's a very short time. <laughs> yeah. When you're in the middle of Syria, it is forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, think you, I think the kingdom does definitely come in gradual ways that Jesus says, like in the mustard seed, and like it grows gradually, like yeast that works itself through a lump. But at the same time, I think there is a certain resurrection quality to creating a new heavens and a new earth. It's just like creating a new body out of the dust, you know? So yeah, I, th- I think somewhere in the middle there is the truth, but I, I don't have a solid answer for you. That was pretty solid. So how does this play into your pre-wrath rapture, Scott? <laughs> so is that before the rapture? Uh, I mean, I, I, after the rapture, obviously. Well, yeah, I think we would, he would have to come before humans destroy themselves. Yes. Yeah. 
Because there wouldn't be any humans to come for if, if for wrath after then. For, yeah, for, there'd be, there'd be no one to pour wrath on, obviously. <laughs> He's like, dang, they killed themselves. I didn't even get to pour out the wrath. I've been saving it up. It's funny. I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about how uh, <clears throat> they're doing all this genetic engineering, and they're going to you know, change human DNA so it's uh, like half... Uh, <clears throat> half lion, half human, half bat. Uh, how, wow. how bats have uh, sonar. Sonar, uh, creating soldiers that have bat sonar and human. Was this a Marvel movie that's coming out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds right. like it. And they could roar like lions. But, but they, I mean, scientists. The the science world has said that they have created animals. They have created animals from. I mean, a, I guess, a strand of. Well, nothing's DNA. really worked so far that we know of. Monsanto. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hope it doesn't People are worried work. worried about GMOs and they're making hybrid bat lion humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm imagining um, that they do successfully create these half human, half lions, and then. You know, uh, oh, that uh, was the right answer to uh, ushering in the kingdom, right? <laughs> was that your answer? No, oh. ushering in the kingdom with half lion, half human. Yeah, it was two blank spaces. Oh, you're right. Uh, no, half lion, half human is four words. <laughs> lion, I human. barely graduated no. high school, so <laughs> <laughs> I have a learning disability. Uh, no self-deprecating humor tonight. <laughs> yeah, I Next. do it all the time. All right. Uh, no, they. I'm imagining Jesus comes back, and they have you know done this, and everybody's a half human, half lion, and they have that kind of stuff in the Chronicles of Narnia. So I think right. it does happen that way, right? Because they all have like half horse, half man. Half it's people. biblical. And can you imagine Jesus half coming Minotaur back? Head half like oh, whatever. Centaurs that look like Alex Rodriguez. What the hell happened? <laughs> exactly. Hell did happen. We changed humans into half lions. All right, moving on. Uh, do you... <laughs> in what ways... In what ways did Jesus... Oh, this is really for you, Todd. In what ways did Jesus model leadership well for husbands and men in general to follow? Wow. I mean, you guys can... I'm not answering that. Since Jesus didn't have a wife, it makes it kind of difficult. Right. Um, But still, if he lived this life on earth that we were to do our best to... He had followers. Right. And he got down and washed their feet and said that, as I've served you, you should serve each other. So... And then, you know, Paul in the New Testament says we should love our wives the way Jesus loved his followers or loves the church so i guess serving and washing their feet because they stank yeah <laughs> some more than others I, I don't know that that's the best i got but i uh, other than that he wasn't much of a husband he did like women he did scandalously almost and they liked him they did i mean they What's washed his that feet word? with their tears and perfume and stuff like that and um, I don't know. Oh man, can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody walking in on that on that moment, like right now? I mean, Jesus, let alone a, a like maybe a pastor or something, some woman that's not his wife washing feet. 
it was totally scandalous. And yeah. people miss the scandal sometimes in it because it's Jesus. Yeah, what's his name? Um, the Mike Erie podcast, which I've just discovered. Shout out to him. It's awesome. Vox, Sub- Subversive Kingdom, something like that. Uh, he was talking about how Jesus interacted with all the people, and he did such a good job of just explaining how whatever we think would be scandalous in our day can, doesn't come close to what it, what, how he interacted with people in their culture. Like, ha, you know, wh- whether it's uh, same-sex attraction or, or ministering to those people or having those people serve in church or whatever, whatever scandal you can make up about today, it doesn't scratch the surface compared to that culture and what he did, which, you know, I always kind of thought that, but it was, he really crystallized it. Next. Put the pizza down. <clears throat> you Sorry. are our Brad Pitt, always I'm, chewing on something. I'm a growing boy. Every movie. <clears throat> All right, this is for all of you. If I could ask Jesus one question, what would that be? And can it start with the question why? Absolutely. I don't think God answers questions that start with why, as what I've been told. Because pretty much any question you ask why, like the answer is like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'll tell you what my Wait, was wife... Was that an impression <clears throat> of Jesus? <laughs> that, that was Jesus saying, I don't know. <laughs> He's a bro. That was sarcastic. <laughs> no, that was Keanu Reeves' Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bro, too. Uh, <clears throat> so I'll tell you what, how my wife answered, uh, and it took her about a millisecond to answer the question, uh, what would you ask Jesus? And that was, why did it take so long for you to come back? So when Jesus comes, why did it take so long? Mm. Because well, it kind of leads to the what's the purpose as your of waiting? As your wife's pastor, I can point her to the scripture because he already answered that one. And it's stupid S- asking for questions second that Peter. he already answered. So hopefully she won't listen to this podcast and she won't know that I just called her stupid. But uh, <laughs> this would be a great test. Don't say anything to her. If she brings this up, I mean, she listens. All right. No, she's not. She's definitely not stupid. She's totally the most awesome woman that I know other than my wife. According to my Jeff. mother. Yeah. Well, anyway. Way to dig out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so deep in it. It's not even funny. All right. But in, uh, in uh, First Peter, Peter says, uh, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. When people talk about why doesn't the Lord come back, he keeps promising he's going to come. And it says, but he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So he is taking a long time because he is waiting for people to come to repentance because he is so patient and does not want to bring all of the wrath that Scott has stored up for him to bring. <laughs> Did you say God or Scott? <laughs> Sometimes I get confused. <laughs> Whoa. Scott is our resident wrath expert. <laughs> this week in wrath news, Scott Holbert. <laughs> <clears throat> This is just marketing to get Scott to come to Mountain View. I have a question. I, Todd might not want me to go I, after no, this. No, I, I really don't want him to come to Mountain View. <laughs> yes, I'm saying. <laughs> I, I've worked really hard to get all those people out of my shirt, and I don't want any of them. <laughs> there, no. there is truth there. <laughs> 
Well, this is a fan. <laughs> this has been your fantastic podcast moment of the night. He knows my pastor. That's why. That's gonna go right at the front of the podcast. That's the cold open. <laughs> I had a question for Todd. So we we have seven overseers. Yes. At Mount View Church. Out of the seven, where does Jeff rank on overseers you would like to strangle first? <laughs> uh, he would be number three. All right. I'm not going to ask you to name Clarity. that. Clarity. <laughs> but Jeff's helping me with my taxes currently. <laughs> and tomorrow he's going to come over and help me finish. He let... <laughs> this guy? You... <laughs> He's a teacher, right? What grade do you teach? I teach taxes. <laughs> to fifth graders. I took that math class you did that said math for elementary school teachers. They did not teach you how to take your taxes. No, but he's really good at TurboTax. He, yeah. He's really good at making the, like, the numbers just, on the side I click like, on things. go down <laughs> and into the negative, and when they owe you money, he's awesome at it. So see, that's just what keep I, working it until he figures it out. See, John, that's what I do with my sixth graders. I'm like, you know what? That's not the right answer. Let's go back and make sure it turns green now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's looking much better. Man, Scott, or Todd has such a robust, robust faith. I mean, that just proves it right there. <laughs> it does. It really does. Where were we? <laughs> really? Is your question segment done? Anybody you, else have questions? You, oh, I th- oh, so that was just it? That was your only question? I think I was going to ask him. Um, Why don't you just ask him? If, if, I were <laughs> to, if I were to ask Todd, it would be... <laughs> Uh, do you want, um, if, do you want me to ask to- a, Zach, another simple question? Yeah, Zach, if Todd was here right now, what would you ask him? I would ask him what, which gospel he would throw out. Oh, Gospel of Thomas. Okay. Nice. Good answer. Okay, non-apocryphal gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Wait gospel? is that even apocryphal? It might, it might be the pseudepigrapha. Pseudo- Dang, that's hard. big words. I don't know. You know, if I were going to throw one out, if I could only have three, that's brutal. Do this, Zach. I'm like sweating. I don't know. I think I'd throw out Matthew. Oh, no, wow. I, I like Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount's in there. Man. There's a lot of good stuff in Matthew. You know, Luke? Would, wouldn't it be Mark? I'd go Mark. I'd go Mark. Well, Mark was the first one, right? It's yeah. possible that Mark was written first and, and the that other the other is draw. possible. But Mark's just such a good action story. It moves so fast. I hate to throw it out. It's my favorite. Probably because I, I did a a directed study on it in my undergrad, and I would like fell in love with that book. But yeah, there is a lot of overlap with Matthew and Luke, and they have more content. So you probably got oh, but it's so good. I know, but Luke, Luke, you get the chronol- um more of the like this is what the witnesses like. He investigated it. Good news is I don't have to throw any of them out. Right, like them. right, right. So screw yes. you. I'm so you have to have you have to have John you in there. Use better language than that. You can't okay. you can't throw out John. No, John's totally different, and it has a different perspective, and you need it. Yeah. I throw, right. out, I throw out Luke. Or no, not Luke. I just said you can't throw out Luke. Um, yeah. I agree with Todd. Whatever Todd said, I agree with. Thomas. Oh, wow. Keep going. Keep talking. He just said he, he agrees agreed with, with me. <laughs> Isn't there the gospel of... Go ahead. I was just going to say, you can duplicate that multiple times during the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with whatever Todd just said. I agree with that. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a new leader for the show open. Right. 
Yeah, right. Whatever. And if you hear the exact with. same thing like 18 times during this podcast. One final question. Currently, do Christians have any good reason not to follow governmental laws? In what country? In the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> All right. that's, that's a really good follow-up question. You mean in China? <laughs> in, I mean, I, I, I can think of a lot of reasons, but it depends on the country. Um, any good reason not to follow the laws? So you say currently, like, are the, the current laws? Is that, what you, is that what you mean by current? I'm going I'm to say, I'm going to assume yes. Well, here, here's, here's the challenge on that. I, I am not a good person to speak to that because I am so bad at following laws, and I most of the time don't drive the speed limit. Especially tax most laws. Most of the time don't pay it. Well... <laughs> Scott, I seriously. try to. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm doing actually my best to abide good. by tax laws, and he is my accountability partner. The treasurer of the overseers to come help you. I think that yeah, that's a tough one. Gosh, man, I, I I'm gonna be stumped on this, except for that I want to say this: the kingdom of God trumps the United States of America. Trumps. I didn't use that word on purpose. <laughs> it's not has anything to do with Trump. The kingdom of God is more important and bigger and overrides the United States of America. Would you, it's more huge. It's huge. <laughs> Would you say that? Huge. It's huge. And we're going to make the kingdom great again. But I can't think of it. I mean, if there's an area where it conflicts, you're asking me that. You're basically saying, is there an area where it conflicts? Yes. It's okay. Guess who's resigning next week as an overseer? <laughs> Jeff Pearson. <clears throat> I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. So, I, I mean, there's probably a lot of areas, like, it, it just depends on your conscience. I mean, that's, that's an issue of conscience. And I think the issue is you have to be able to follow your conscience. And, and there could be, for some people, areas where they need to conscientiously object like when i registered for the draft i registered as a conscientious objector because i didn't feel like i could go and kill people because i felt like part of the call of the gospel is to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and i see a conflict in that but i don't call everybody to that because i think there are people that believe differently in that and they have to follow their conscience before god and deal with that so and I have lots of people in our church that are serving in the military, and I appreciate and you know love what they do for our country. So, yeah, those. I think it comes down to those kind of questions of conscience that each individual has to answer before God. All right, you got way too serious for this podcast. Not that. No, that's no. good. We're really trying to up the ante. So, one final question, because we do want to kind of get to your your story a little bit. Um, and so final question, the toughest responsibility of a pastor is? I think it's handling people's um, hearts with, with just care. I, I, uh, I, I, met, I, I meet people that have been abused by churches and by their pastors just abused with people that um, just condemn them that um, I, I don't know I talked to talked to a guy recently just this week that uh, that was just 
basically ostracized from his whole family at the request of his church, that they shunned him, basically, that the whole family had to shun him. I had another guy in our church that was getting a divorce from his wife, and the pastor of this other church at the same church told his wife that they couldn't, or told their his kids that they shouldn't talk to their dad because they needed to shun him in order to teach him a lesson or something like that. And I just see so much damage done in the name of religion and Christianity, which it's ridiculous that people take the name of Jesus and they do that kind of crap. But, um, yeah, I think helping people process and heal and being a safe place for them to be real and be who they are and deal with um, all of the stuff that they have to go through in life and find healing and hope from it. So that's the biggest, I don't know, challenge, whatever you said, calling. Do you find your, I mean, so it sounds like every time you speak to someone, someone comes to you or you just get in a conversation, do you think your, your heart's prepared to receive those people regardless of what comes out of their mouth and, and the life challenges they're going well, through? Not always. I mean, you know, it's the natural tendency is to always we judge as humans it's easy to put people in categories and jump to conclusions and because it's just easier to categorize people but having the ability to with to suspend judgment in order to hear the person and love the person and care about them and help them move forward from wherever they are is such an important thing for counselors or pastors or anybody that's trying to help other people um yeah it's it's crucial I've actually seen, I've actually seen, witnessed um, you in action, so to speak, in praying for individuals and communicating with them. And I'm really awestruck in how, how, how genuinely sensitive you are to, to the heart. And I don't quite, um, I guess your experiences and life experiences and, um, and training and schooling, um, kind of has gotten you to this point. Yeah. Schooling has nothing to do with any of that. I mean, they don't teach you any of that in school. You learn that from getting the crap beat out of you in life. (laughs) 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 And then you know how to help other people. So you're probably much better prepared if you've been like dragged through the mud and beat up and had people that you love die or people that you love kill themselves or whatever. That kind of stuff trains you better for learning how to have compassion than anything else. Yeah, for a lack of a better word for a third thing, I just said schooling. So we can delete that. Yeah, just delete that. I, I, I'm a big fan of schooling, but it just is not all it's cracked up to be. That's I what agree. I said my whole life, As a guys. teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a teacher, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Is that what yeah. you teach your sixth Public graders? <clears throat> I'm teaching my kids about real life. Yeah. Like, let's... Just to, okay. This is a disclaimer. This might not be true, but I'm going to say it anyway. Just kids, let's just set this aside and talk about real life. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't need math. Uh, what? No, that's all. No, TurboTax does it for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm, I just push the hamburger and it says four dollars and thirty nine cents. Then I push the drink and it says a dollar ninety five. Uh, it's terrible. You got a side job? 
<laughs> no, but I just I, I think of this the schooling thing. Okay, total getting sidetracked here. Um, all right, I don't have any more questions. Um, so where to next? <coughs> Todd, how are you? It's getting serious. Powerful Scott Holder <laughs> clearing his throat. I had a question. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I totally forgot. I've been waiting for you all day. So remember, <laughs> so one of the things I've thought about, and I haven't really asked anyone, so I'm glad you're here, but having a sermon every Sunday, do you think like, or feel pressure like, man, I really, I, I got to really um, have something for the people to take home with them. And because that, yes. that just seems like it'd be tough. Like, yes, it is. You know, like every Sunday, it's like, I'm, maybe maybe sometimes it feels like I, this this sermon's got to be awesome, or there's just but you know those mental games that are in there and how they how they might affect what you're gonna say and um just it just seems like it seems like a lot of pressure. I mean, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, for me. I like it. Like, I like to talk about God and I like to teach the Bible and that's fun for me. But that pressure of every week having to deliver, it, it is pressure. And it's like having a term paper every week, except that you actually care about and you want to communicate to the people that you're writing it to or whatever. And then you have to do this present, you know, presentation. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big thing every week, but, but I love doing it. But it is pretty much, it ruins my weekend. Yeah. Every weekend. Like Friday and Saturday are miserable just because I'm never done in time. And I'm always <laughs> like still thinking about it. And I'm always rethinking because there's a million ways that you can say it. And there's a ton of stuff left that needs to get left on the cutting room floor like this podcast. Like it's like, you know, whoa. you come with a bunch of stuff that needs to get whoa, cut whoa, out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Finish. Whoa. Just to fit it in the time frame. I'm oh, not saying okay, stuff good, that's good, totally good, irrelevant. Good. It's stuff that's really good. But you got to decide which <laughs> of the really, really good stuff do you leave out. Because, you know, you, you can only have so much time. And so, yeah, every week, it's like having a baby. And I, I know I, I don't say this to women, but since it's all guys in the room right now and no girls actually listen to this podcast, I can totally say that. <laughs> Would you say it's every week is like having a... We have a contingent a, of babes who listen. Yeah. Dang. Would you say like every week is like having a uh, reverse vasectomy? No. Snip, that was worse. Snip, snap, snip, snap. I promise that was worse. <laughs> that's worse than having kids, Scott. Come on. Dude, that's worse than anything I've ever experienced. <laughs> What was worse, the reverse or the... The reverse. The re-reverse. Uh, no, just the, the reversal. Because the, getting, getting clipped is no big deal. Like, they just cut your spaghetti in half, and it goes away. Or they solder it, right? And you smell the burning or whatever. But, but when they stitch it together, it's like stitching two ends of spaghetti together to make fluid flow through, and it's uh, really difficult. It takes, like, five hours, and it's very... Man. Very painful. It feels like for about a, two weeks, like you just got kicked in Were the nuts. Were you awake during really that hard. second one? No. I was going to say. No. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, but that's not why I came here to talk about. Wow. Well, Let's you brought it up. I mean, like, just to be you. fair, you brought it up. <laughs> although, although my friend drew me an amazing picture <laughs> of Frankensack because he's a he's an artist, <laughs> and that's what it looked like because it had like these uh, these tubes, these drainage tubes coming out the side, and it was so swollen. It was terrible. I'm so glad women don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> um, Definitely no women in, in the church in your Mountain View. My wife goes. She listens? Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, so, Sorry, Lisa. No, real quick, maybe give us kind of where you came, like coming out of school, uh, well, I guess where you went to school, and then things that have shifted on your journey from then until now at Mountain View Church. Like what? major shifts in like what you believe about God have taken place kind of along the way? <laughs> oh, just a simple short question. Yeah. Oh, okay. So 30 seconds go. Wow. Um, you know, I, I got into ministry cause I loved people and I loved the Bible. And then I was doing it for a long time and working with high school kids, and it was amazing. And John was actually in my youth group, which is so amazing. Is that Coast Hills Church? Yeah, yeah. since junior high, John was in my I youth group. I was in group. his first youth group when he was a junior high leader. I was. I was 20 years old. I was an eighth grader. And John was an eighth grader, and I was in charge. And it was not a smart idea to put somebody like me in charge. But John, John you look older than Todd. Thank you. <laughs> Todd is the OC wedding guy. OC the ocweddingguy.com. Yeah, we'll put so. that in the show notes. Yeah, good. The ocweddingguy.com for all your marriage needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I uh about the time I was graduating from seminary, I, I went to Azusa Pacific University and then went to Fuller Seminary and was gonna and was finishing seminary at Azusa Pacific in my MA. And Somebody, I, I was trying to plant a church, and I was getting ready to go start a church, and because uh, which I also went with we, you and did. Yeah, John went and helped me to start the church. We were starting in a bar at Sloppy Joe's Bar in the Irvine Spectrum, and uh, I, I had asked some guy for funding because churches need funding, and and so there was this guy, and and uh, he was part of this church network that Mark Driscoll told me about, and he told me to call this guy because Mark Driscoll, anyway. We were friends back in the day. He told me to call this guy, David Nicholas, and I called him and I said, you know, we want to be a part of getting some funding. And he goes, well, I just want to make sure we don't plant any of those Arminian or dispensational churches. Nice. None of that crap. <laughs> he goes, I want to plant good reform churches. And, and I'm like, I don't know what he means. And I was graduating from seminary and I didn't know the categories he was using in all these words he's throwing around. And it, and it scared me. And, uh, so I, I went and I talked to a, one of the pastors at our church who taught at uh, Biola. And so and he goes, well, he goes, oh, don't worry about it. You're Arminian. And I'm like, <laughs> I cannot be Arminian because like in my family, my dad is a Reformed Baptist. And like our, being Arminian was like playing soccer. You just don't do that in our family, right? <laughs> it's like football and Calvinism. <laughs> like, that was our family growing up. American and, football. <laughs> yeah. Oh, American football. Yeah. No, none of that sissy communist stuff. And uh, so Jeff, we, is, Jeff is weeping. We, we, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I, I don't even care about those. No, comments. he knows my dad. I, I've heard. I've heard him talk. He knows how my dad talks and about that's, soccer. That's great. I Fine. Communist. But the I, Arminian, I got to admit, the first time I heard Arminian, I'm like, is that like some kind of German thing or yeah. Middle East? I have it, no it's, idea. It's, it's some ancient debate from the 1700s where people My were My brother-in-law's really Armenian, right? 
Armenian is uh, different, and that's an ethnic group. <laughs> that's yeah. what I thought it was. That is, right? <laughs> totally. And and that's why I was so confused. And I was graduating from seminary. I didn't know any better, so don't feel bad. And so I, I am I am a little bit confused and frustrated. So so I started studying and I started reading a lot of R.C. Sproul and I started I read Mike Horton's book, uh, Putting the Amazing Back into Grace. And I I I I took a big shift and turn to where it was kind of like and I, and I and the way I think of it is now as I look back as I go I was you know I was at this point where I was starting a church and everybody's asking me what do we believe about this what do we believe about this and I didn't have an answer because I'm like I don't know like I kind of think this and I didn't have like the answer and so I was looking for some solid people that had the answer and there were a lot of heavyweights on the side of the reformed group and um and so I just decided I'm going to play in this for this team because they're very sure of themselves because they're very sure of themselves and they're very clear and, and they, they have an answer for everything. In fact, they're called catechisms. Like they actually ask all the questions and give all the answers and there are word by word answers for everything. And that was so comforting for me at a time where I had just lost my mom and after everybody praying for her and then she just goes and dies even after she thought God told her that she was going to be healed and all this kind of stuff. And, and so that, all those answers were really solid for me. And so I grasped onto that and it began a journey where I I ended up basically preaching my church into the ground, um, (laughs) killed my (laughs) poor little starting church because, um, I don't know, I was just became really a know-it-all and I was kind of a jerk about it. And I said some things that I probably shouldn't have said, but there were a lot of really good things about it. It was a sweet season, but for whatever reason, the church ended up crashing and burning and I went back to school full time because I wanted to be able to, I, I actually thought I was going to find a denomination where everybody agreed on everything. And, you know, like we all at least agreed because in the denomination I'm a part of, the Evangelical Covenant Church that I started out with and that I was in at the time and I'm still in, there's just a lot of room for disagreement and debate and there's not, you know, it's a centered set group where we're connected by the center rather than by the outside or by defining the boundary. And um, that wasn't secure enough for me at the time. And so I went to Westminster Seminary in Escondido and I went back to school full time and I was studying. Um, And um, some things happened there where I, both through what I learned there and through some experiences that happened there that I could tell you the longer version of that story, but I, I know you asked for the 30 second answer and I've already made it like 10 minutes. So, um, I started to have some shifts in my faith and I started to see some things that, um, weren't as cut and dry as I had thought. And I started to realize that, um, maybe all of the answers were not as clear as they were. And maybe the 21st century, which was that, you know quickly upon us at the time uh, was uh, had needed diff- had different questions as well as different answers than the 17th century and the you know 16th century where you know Calvinism and Arminianism was a debate in the 17th century over you know how do people get saved is it God choose them or do they choose God and it's like it's like it's almost a it's a, it's a question that's, I don't know, I, I, it almost seems like it's asking the wrong questions to me today. Um, they're not questions that, that people are asking. So anyway, I, my 
approach shifted and it's grown over the years. I, I think it's grown. Some people think it's fallen into the pit of hell. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that's a long that's a long answer to a short question. It left us. I left off about eight years ago, so I'll I could pick up more later. Yeah. Don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> no, really, don't stop. No, it's it's good. Don't stop till you get enough. No, we gotta gotta have them back. So keep on. Part, oh, there's always content. Part two. Yeah. Um, what more recently is is there something you've come to believe about God, or whether it's God or the Bible or both, that you just don't think people are ready for? Big church, or you could you could take our church in particular. But maybe maybe big church. Well, I think a lot of people are ready for it. I I just don't think I was ready, and I think part of what we what we came to about eight years ago, I had just a revolution in my own faith of through reading some books by John Eldridge, um, Waking the Dead specifically. I'd already read Wild at Heart, and and then I went to a a boot camp and was really awakened to the 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 fact of spiritual warfare that I wasn't taking into account before. And I was thinking that all of the sinful thoughts that were coming through my mind were my thoughts and all of the um, impulses that were coming through were mine and not recognizing that I was in the middle of a battle and that there were wounds that I had from my life that were ways that I medicated myself and then let the enemy get a foothold. And that's a whole other story. But like, I've gotten freedom in ways that I never even imagined was possible. I just thought the gospel was all about getting your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die. And I'm like, you know, God opening up the possibility that I can actually have freedom here and now and be part of seeing God's kingdom come on earth as is in heaven and having God's spirit be alive and well and doing miraculous things. That stuff has been blowing my mind for the last eight years. And changing a lot of what I think, but the That's church good. at large is in some ways ready for it. Like this weekend, there was a Zeus and now rally up in uh, Pasadena where um, at the Rose bowl where, um, or was Coliseum Coliseum Rose bowl is the same Coliseum. Place? Yeah. Well, it was at the Coliseum Coliseum. And there's like 80,000 people. I've just been talking with a guy tonight. He's, we've been texting back and forth. He's telling me, God, it was amazing. We went there and just about power and love and it's totally amazing. It's awesome. I'm like, well, and, and reconciliation of all these different groups that are, you know, asking forgiveness from each other and praying and being reunited and like native Americans forgiving the Americans that have taken their land and the black people forgiving the white people and the white people forgiving the black people and the, Catholics forgiving the Protestant and it was just it was this beautiful just movement of people seeking God together and um seeing amazing renewal people getting out of wheelchairs that were like in wheelchairs like for 30 years wow um, crazy stuff and my son was there a bunch of his friends a bunch of people from church went and just I mean 80,000 people were there so there's these movements within the church and at the same time there's all these other movements of people in the kind of backlash of the same kind of reform camp that I was in before right. or the, you know, fight and fundy camp that, uh, other camps that people are in. And, um, and so there's, there's still camps and there's still arguments and there's still all these in-house debates of not everybody getting along and not everybody believing all the same stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I definitely see the, 
I don't know. I, I don't know what I see. I, I see a lot of mess in our culture right now with a For lot of sure. argument. No, I, uh, I do appreciate Todd, you taking your time out of your busy, busy schedule. Cause I know it is, uh, um, I, I was golfing all day. <laughs> <laughs> We're lucky you got done in time. And they pay teachers too much. Uh, hey, we get a day off. <laughs> That's right. I get three months. Uh no, it's great to hear the challenges of uh, being a pastor and the life that you oh, have. Oh, was there, was there any faith crises? Was there ever a time where you were really just hammered by something and, and you... Uh... It's a big bow. Um, yes, uh, there have been a few. Probably about every, about every seven years on the average. Um, so like the year of Jubilee or something? Something like that. I mean, <laughs> a, kind of a, I don't know, it's more like what happens for me, and, and I, I'm sure this is probably similar with other people, but for for a pastor, it's a little bit more difficult because you have to, you're constantly teaching about something that, you know, you know by faith, you know in a way that is not like, I don't know, it's just a different kind of knowing. It's a true knowing, but it's a knowing by faith. And so um, when new information comes into your life or new experiences, sometimes your experiences shift and what you thought you knew of God that you thought seemed clear becomes less clear. And for me, that's happened when people have died in my life, when major crises have happened, when major theological shifts have happened through reading. Um, you know, you just, you read things and you start, you start questioning enough assumptions of what you thought were true before. And then all of a sudden you have to make a shift. And it's like, there are these seasons of disequilibrium where you just don't even know what you believe anymore. And you've got to seek that out. And so the, the thing that I do in those times is start with what I know for sure and hold on to that as tight as I can and keep seeking because it's not God that's shifting or God that's changing. It's just your experience of life and what you think you know. And just because you go into a time of doubting or, you know, disequilibrium where what you thought you knew doesn't make sense anymore, it doesn't mean it's all not true. It just means the way you were believing it isn't true. And so you got to find a new way to hold it. And that's kind of been my experience at least a few times in my life. And if you stick around long enough in faith, you'll have it. For sure. Don't throw baby Jesus out with the doubt bathwater, I think is the lesson there. Amen. <laughs> That'll preach. Yeah, that's awesome. Wait, can we ask Todd how much faith he has? I was, I was just thinking that. Okay. Oh, I remember that episode. That was lame. <laughs> it was lame. It's a stupid question, but here it goes. So every sixty three percent, all the knowledge you have about God, how? Yeah, what did I ask? Was, I don't even remember what it was. It was like, how certain are you? Oh, yeah, that's how certain right. are you? Yeah. Like if you one to one to a hundred, how certain are, are you about everything you know about God that you think you know is true? Mm. Yeah, Scott, you were a hundred, right? No, I you was like ninety five really or ninety eight or something. You were 
You were 95. You were 95? Jeff was 100. Jeff was 100. Zach was 60 to oh, 70. Oh, that's right. Jeff was 100. Zach was 60 to 70. It almost severed friendship here right yeah. in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> All right. So so here, here I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a different approach because I'm a little bit of a split personality. I, I'm, I'm 100, and I'm 45. Ooh, so, do explain. So uh, no, it's not an option. It is. It, it's the only option I got. <laughs> when he questions his faith, he's forty-five. <laughs> yeah. No. So so I I absolutely am a hundred percent of what I know. Like that, I know God, and I know that He's real, and I believe, and I believe in what Jesus did, and I believe that He rose from the dead. All that stuff. But but I've been wrong so many times about so many things that I hold everything loosely enough to where. It doesn't bother me if like it changes and I go, Oh, I don't get that part. Like, okay, I was wrong about that. Because I, I just I hold it loosely enough because I realize I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again about ways that I interpret scriptures, about ways I interpret ideas about God. And I think I'm I'm hundred percent confident in God and I'm about forty five percent confident in my interpretation of God. All I right. love that. Maybe more like 65%. No, I'm taking 45. 45. It's 45. It's in the books. It'll be in the show notes, people. Right. John, you never got to answer that question. Yeah, let's hear it real quick. We'll wrap this up. I'm 32. Thanks, John. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm 32. John, what are you, 39? Age-wise? Yeah. Or percentage? Age. Um, it's I'm usually 40. about the same. You're 40 now. Wow. I'm going to be... I'm going to be 41 soon. Yeah. You're rubbing me again on my shoulders. Well, you're 40. It's tough. You don't look a day over 45. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, wait, you're only like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but Zach put, said, um, that kind of, um, I, I don't think I've ever been wrong about anything. So I'm like 100% both. both Is that members. why you got into an argument with your wife tonight? I, um, my wife and I love each other very much and I'm <clears throat> always, she's always right. Okay. Okay. Good answer. Um, I don't like that answer. No, I would, I would have to put myself when, when I hear all four of your answers, um, I, 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 I resonate mostly with Zach. I'm like 60 to 80%. I, I I think I, I threw in a similar caveat like Todd did where when you center in on Jesus, I feel much more comfortable giving a bigger number. Sure. Uh but everything else, like the Bible and you know, or various parts of the Bible or doctrines I used to hold so dearly, um, you know, that stuff changes or like how Todd said, realizing you're wrong and you'll be wrong again. So learning Sounds like Todd's already there, but I'm learning to be there. We're loosening the grip on things that I hold dear that don't, that don't need it, that don't matter. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I think I'm right, and yeah. you're wrong if you disagree with me. Of course, <laughs> of course. There's nothing wrong not, with that. But of I'm course. not sure of it. That's all. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> not sure of that. <laughs> I took I'm, I took the question a little bit different as. Um, I'm sure Jeff could attest to that. I would have asked for clarification but I was not allowed to. Um, <clears throat> but I just took it as I'm like 95% sure that the in kind of the gamut and the 5% is my questions of 
like why, like the why questions. But it's not 95% certainty in what I believe, but 95% certainty that the truth is there. And if, I mean, I'm, I might not have it, but despite me not, despite whether I believe it or not, it's still there. So I was putting that 95% like the truth is there. There's 5% that I probably won't ever know. Like those, those why. Why did he create the universe in the first place? Why, and why people? Stuff like that. So I, I took it a little well, bit different. If, if you're defining it like that, I think I'd go to like 5%. <laughs> all the universe and all no, those why no. questions. Yeah. But that's a good answer, Scott. Yeah, you can make fun of me if you want. Scott, that was a good answer. I, I really appreciate it. You can make fun of me if you want to. Say tonight, Scott. Thanks, Todd. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. That I Hope roll. you come back. So last question, Todd. <laughs> last question, Todd. Did, did Adam have a belly button? I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> did Adam have a belly button? What in the heck's going on in Peru? <laughs> this is the children's pastor coming out. This Jeff, is what they're did all. A, did like, Adam have a belly button? <laughs> Jeff, did Adam, Adam and Eve, did have Adam. a belly button? Tell me the answer. Yes. Oh come on. Why? He stupid. He did. So stupid. And Jeff. It was made out of. It was made. It was really dirty because that's where like, all the dust came in. Why would he have had a belly button? Well, in the future, they do liposuction through the belly button. <laughs> That's such a stupid right. question. What? We're going to delete all of that. Jeff, it's, Jeff. It's not a why question. It's did Adam have a belly button? It's a historical, grammatical, it's a historical, historic, scientific question. <clears throat> so as a uh, teacher and um, wanting to seek knowledge. A uh, simple yes or no to do. <laughs> being a believer. In, do you have to believe in a historical Adam in order to be able to actually answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> so as a um, expert theologian, um, I don't know. I really don't know. What is a belly button, Jeff? You know what? I don't even care. Your wife is a doula. How do you not know this answer to this question? I don't know what my wife does. <laughs> she do what? No, she do la. <laughs> she, she do what? what is no, you have that? four children, and most of them were born at home. You should know the answer to this question. Push, honey. All right. Good job. Uh, uh, what's the... Uh, what's the uh, so teach me. Why did Adam have a belly button? It's a joke. Oh. I don't know. I don't know either. So let's move on. Now John obviously has something he's getting at. What are you getting at, John? What does you have against bellies without buttons? No, I don't have anything I'm getting at. So I tried. <laughs> I don't think it was a joke. So so profound. It's a joke. It was a random question that I don't understand. You she wants late. to know if Adam has a belly button. Lisa, did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. Okay. She, she just gave you the worst look. I'm, a, I'm affirmed. All right. Well, thank you, Todd. <laughs> That's, that was a terrible bow. Actually, we'll end with you saying nice. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> Thanks for joining us here on the... <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of questions. Yeah. There's still more questions. It'll happen later. Well, you just have to invite me back again, and uh, you bring the the 
Bibles and the beer, and I'm glad to be here. Although I didn't, I saw beer, but I didn't see the Bible. We didn't talk. Know. We didn't actually. I don't think I've ever heard the podcast where you actually opened a Bible, so I'm not sure where the Bible. I read. I read a verse if once. That's on just accident. like figurative. <laughs> it's figurative. It's not. We're not literalists. Well, I'm not a literalist. Scott. Scott actually opens his Bible from time to time. You don't actually have one, right? <laughs> no, until his mom gave him one because she was scared of his salvation. You know, my pastor sends me a link every every week. I'm like, oh, what is this? Ah, it's got numbers in it. Trace Diessi Seis? What is that? Malachi? Is that a restaurant? <laughs> Italian food? Let's do it. Mark, I'm going to throw that book out. Uh, no, I... So, thank you. This is a five-part series, Meeting with Todd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I love about this, this Bros, Bibles, and Beer is the Bible reference is usually like, yeah, well, that's somewhere in Ephesians or Chronicles. <laughs> or I heard on it's more opinion. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes babes just chimed in. Todd, one last question. Yeah. Um, here I am. I'm right here. Can I really not go to Mountain View anymore? You can come anytime you want. We are home for the wanderer and rest for the weary. So if you're wandering no- or weary, come on. <laughs> not the disgruntled. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're sure of all your doctrine, then get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs>